0: Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a very special guest for you today and kind of a fun one. We gotta get a break a little bit of news, and that's that I get to introduce you to the new executive chef at Dante. This is Drew Stats. Drew, welcome
1: to the show. Uh Dan, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah,
0: so I, I was very excited because when we when we when we kind of set up this interview and we talked about putting this together, you said, Yeah, Nick and I, you know, we've Nick Strawhecker, who, who owns Dante, we've got, an ex- we've got an exciting announcement that we want to put out there. And so I was like, oh, sweet, this is, this is really cool. And then you told me yesterday, you're the new executive chef, and, and that's really <laughs> exciting. So I guess kind of take us into exactly what that means and, and what your responsibilities are going to be.
1: Uh, oh, man, well, um, Nick and I sat down, and because I talked to him kind of like, what do you what do you want this to be? You know, how much do you still want to be in it? Um, what do you want from me, basically? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Dante's kind of it's been around. We celebrated eleven years last year mm-hmm. or last week, mm-hmm. excuse me. Um, Since two thousand nine, and you know, we don't really want to change it. We want to continue Dante as it is. We want to grow in certain spots, um, but for the most part, just like you know, continuing what they're doing. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh,
0: so, yeah, to be clear, Nick still very much involved, like, th- they're not going to be, like, wide-sweeping changes no. or anything at Dante. It's no,
1: absolutely not. Like, uh, you know, Nick still comes in. He's there every single day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, still leads all of our menu meetings, you know, all new dishes, everything we do still goes through Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess now it's like he's the brain and I'm the muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So kind of just go into that, the role of the
0: executive chef, where you're kind of talking a little bit off the mics, you know, that means, you know, kind of a bigger role, a leadership role inside the kitchen. What, what exactly does that look like? How does your role change, uh, with, with this, uh, new title? Uh,
1: now for me, my new role, basically I, uh, I work every dinner service. Um, I still basically work the past at brunch, um, just kind of, you know, full oversight of these meal periods, mm-hmm. um, you know, checking the guys out at the end of the night, making sure that, you know, orders are coming in correctly, um, you know, all the purchasing, receiving, um, and, you know, kind of the back end, like making sure things numbers-wise make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and also planning, you know, we've had a very productive holiday season. Mm-hmm. We had a We had a Thanksgiving takeaway package that was a lot of fun. uh, And we rolled right into a wine dinner. We did the truffle dinner that same week. (laughs) Mm, That
0: truffle dinner. That was delicious. Loved every. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: But (laughs) sorry, go ahead. And then, yeah, we were rolling right into uh, a busy December. We've got. um, Oh, we have a wine dinner coming up this Thursday. Uh, Then we roll right into our Christmas prime rib takeaway. Mm hmm. And after that, straight into New Year's Eve. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's just like back-to-back-to-back busy. Yeah, you
0: just got boom, 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 thing after thing after thing. Absolutely. Um, Now, you personally, you have had a 2020, and everyone's 2020 (laughs) has been crazy, but yours has just been all over the place, lots of ups and downs. If you would have gone back, you know, nine, ten months ago, whatever it is, and said, you're going to be the executive chef at Dante at the end of the year – what would that version of yourself, how would you even have responded?
1: Oh, man, I i, I would have. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy because, like, I'll get, you know, like the one-year-ago memories on, like, Instagram. Uh-huh. And it'll show us, like, what we were doing a year. And it doesn't even feel like it's been a year. Right. On one hand, it feels like it's been, like, two months. And, like, you know, pre-COVID, but I don't know. We were, we had the blinders on at Monarch, you know, that's all we were doing. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what any other restaurant was even doing. We were just, you know, pushing every day. Mm -hmm. And one day it was just gone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it it was crazy. I actually was, I was going to be done cooking. I was ready to quit restaurants altogether uh, when Monarch closed. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I was so, uh, hurt, I uh-huh. guess. <laughs> well, I, I we spent like you know, we spent 3 years just like grinding, you know.
0: And this is at Monarch Prime. And this is at I'm Monarch Prime all, yeah. uh
1: inside the Hotel Deco. Uh-huh. Um we we opened 2017, that same year we won best new restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty pretty heavy year for like other restaurants opening. I think I think Yoshitomo uh was also up there with us that year. And, you know, we went from that to, like, New York Times article to um, just all kinds of stuff. And then one day, you know, we had a small fire in the basement. And that was, like, the Monday before they canceled South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, that's crazy. I mean, you know, that's a shame for Austin, Texas. But, you know, Omaha's fine. We're just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then Berkshire Hathaway got canceled,
0: mm-hmm. and we were like... And then the warning bells start going
1: off. Uh, well, and we were still like, okay, well, you know, June, usually great for hotels. Yeah. And, you know, especially hotel, restaurants, anything downtown is great. We're like, you know, all right, well, we'll take a hit in June, but it'll be fine. And then College World Series got canceled, and we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, you know, what happens next? And then two days later we all got laid off.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, it was nuts. My wife and I were like in the process of buying a house. Um she was like seven months pregnant. hmm And it was just like, uh, all right, well, time to pivot, we'll mm-hmm. figure something out. Um, good friend of mine, Kendra Hudson, uh, set me up with a butcher shop job out in central Nebraska, actually. Mm-hmm. So we were like living with her parents. Um, we had, so we'd given our notice at our apartment because we were buying a house, mm-hmm. and then the bank was like, "Oh, you both lost your jobs. We're not giving you a loan." <laughs> oh my gosh! And it was just like, just like one knife to the heart after the other. Uh-huh. But you know, we were resilient. We we're like, mm-hmm. we're gonna do whatever. Um, we we ended up getting the house, and it's it's just outside city limits in Fremont. Uh, it's on about an acre and a half of land. So we were, we were like, well, let's, let's start farming. Mm -hmm. So we, we pretty much farmed all summer. We were like, you know, we'll do market farms. COVID's going to be over by mother's day, you know, (laughs) farmers markets, everything's going to reopen. It'll be fine. Uh And that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it was crazy. I actually, um, messaged like the Dante Instagram account and I was like, hey, I heard you guys are open, like, doing carryout. Could I get a job? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, they were, like, you know, come in for a stage. And so I I worked at Dante for, like, a month over the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there was this restaurant opening in Fremont. I was, like, you know, I'll be close to home. It'll be a cool thing. Um, Parted ways, and it just didn't pan out. And I basically messaged Nick, and I was, like, hey, uh, you guys still have a, an opening by chance? Mm-hmm. And he said, that depends. He's like, you, do you like brunch? <laughs> and all of my other chef friends, like, hate brunch. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you talk to people, they're like, brunch is the worst. Being open on Sundays is the worst. I love it. It's just a different type of service. It's a different type of service. It's a different type of food. Uh-huh. Um. My my wife, she used to work at um, a local brasserie in Dundee. Yes. And she would run brunch, and I would eat brunch every Sunday. And I just loved it. She probably hated cooking for me every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> she was mad she had to be at work, but I loved it. Uh-huh. And, you know, I I enjoyed doing brunch at the hotel, and it was like, yeah, I would love to do brunch. So Nick and I sat down, we ironed it out, and... You know, now brunch is great.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I I definitely want to deep dive more into that brunch. We're going to talk a lot about brunch in this episode because I I have so many questions. I'm so fascinated by that whole process. But, like, so you you get into Dante and, you know, you start running the brunch service. At what, like, because this this all still was only, like, what, two months ago? Maybe a month and a half? Like, this all moved very quickly. How did it go from, okay, come in and run brunch to all of a sudden – you're kind of running the kitchen
1: now. Um, You know, Nick might not have known. Maybe he did. Um, you know, I, I missed running a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so, like, running brunch was basically, like, almost like a little teaser. And I was like, all right, you know, this is my chance to show him what I know. Yeah. So I was like, so I just, I would email him. I don't know, probably three nights a week, like, hey, what do you think about uh, a to-go menu package? You know, hey, what do you think about a Thanksgiving takeaway? You know, we sat down as a group and talked about the wine dinner, and he was like, you know, bring me some suggestions. I wrote an entire menu and pitched it to him, Mm -hmm. costed it out, did all the, you know, homework at home, Mm -hmm. and he was like, well, let's just run this menu, then you've already done all the work for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I saw that chance, and I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this. Uh I'm going to keep, you know, trying to give him these little things, see what he's, you know, if he's receptive to it, awesome. If he's not, you know, I'm not out anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that just kind of worked. Nick and I are a lot alike. I think we're both numbers guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially right now in restaurants, like, you the numbers have to make sense Mm -hmm. and that you know, if I can show him that I know how to do this then it should be good. Mm -hmm.
0: So really you just kind of, you came in, you, you hustled your ass off. You you said, I'm going to use brunch as my proving ground. I'm going to show that I can do this. And, and it paid off.
1: It paid off, you know, pretty well for me. I'm happy. Yeah, I
0: would definitely (laughs) say so. So not, not to like bring you back to a bad time, but you talked about when, you know, you helped open Monarch Prime. You were the executive chef there. You talked about how when that got shut down, you considered getting out of cooking. Absolutely. What was that moment like for you? Because you've been cooking basically your entire life. Like, this is a huge part of your identity. Just how where – where, what mental state were you at to the point where you were like, I can't even do this anymore?
1: You know, it's weird. And actually – in the grand scheme of it, I, I haven't been cooking that long. I started cooking in
0: 2014.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I started a little steakhouse in Fremont, uh, Jay's Steakhouse. hmm And I just fell in love with restaurants. Uh, and I'd had every other job you could pretty much have. I've done construction. I've built houses. I've, you know, been a well digger. I've done everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's, I don't know, none of those things, like, excited me. I wasn't going home and reading books about well drilling. I was going home and reading cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after I got in the kitchen, I was like, this is just what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be done with that, it, it was tough because I also felt like I was never going to do anything better than Monarch. Mm-hmm. You know, we were so close, like... We were doing all the things that, you know, that I would see, like, nicer restaurants doing. Like, we were, you know, buying truffles, getting whole animals in, you know, doing the caviar, like, the, you know, 10-course tasting menus, the 20-course tasting menus. Like, we were doing everything I wanted to do, and I didn't think I'd ever get to do that anywhere else. hmm You know, unless I opened my own place, but... I don't know. It doesn't seem... On one hand, it almost doesn't seem worth it to have your own, like, fine dining restaurant. Mm -hmm. So much has to go into it for such a little return. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, it didn't make, it didn't make sense at the time. It didn't seem feasible at the time. So it was like, and I also, you know, my, uh, my son was just born and I was like, well, I want to spend every second with him. Yeah. I don't want to be, you know in a hotel kitchen from 6 a.m. until midnight. Uh Which, that didn't happen often at the hotel, but it it did happen. Uh (laughs) And it was just like, you know, at that point my wife's a single mother and, you know, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, what can I do? What can I do from home where I can be with my family? And, you know, the, the farm just seemed perfect. I could farm in the morning. I could do... You know, I could be home for dinner in the evenings. And it it was fun. We, um, you know, we sold produce to basically all my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Chef Jake down at V-Mertz bought produce every week, and we were, you know, so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just. But I don't know. I was out there in the fields, and I was, like, you know, clipping garnishes and clipping, like, Edible flowers and microgreens and stuff that I was like, you know, this should be on my food, not their food. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's where I was like, I can't stay out of restaurants.
0: That itch came back. It
1: just, I, I missed it. Uh huh. I missed being in the chef whites. I missed like having my towels. Like, and I tried to cook at home, and I, I hate cooking at home. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. <laughs> you know, my wife's always like, "Do you want to cook dinner?" I'm like, "No, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> You know, in a restaurant, you taste something, and you're like, oh, this needs this, and I have it. Mm -hmm. You know, you make a risotto at home, and you're like, oh, this needs, you know, a 10-year sherry vinegar. Let me just go to the pantry and grab it. Well, I don't have 10-year sherry vinegar at home. Exactly. (laughs) You know? Uh (laughs) So I just miss restaurants.
0: So so you mentioned, you know, you reach back out to to Nick at Dante, and, and he comes back to you and says, hey, you want to run brunch? Yeah. What was your response? Did you just jump in right away and say, yes? Or did you think, like, ooh, you know, may, maybe that's not something I like? How did you approach that?
1: Well, it was a, it was a two-way thing because brunch is only Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten accustomed to making a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. So, like, taking a job for two days a week didn't make sense either. Um, I had actually reached out originally to our wine director, Paul Foss, and I was like, hey, Paul, do you have any serving shifts? Mm -hmm. Like, I just need, like, just get me a foot in the door and I'll do the rest. Mm -hmm. And he said, no. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, Nick, he got me the brunch shifts. Um, I... You know, we looked at the schedule and he was like, well, let's see where we can fill some gaps. Um, So Chef Dave, he's been at Dante for, I think, like nine years. Mm -hmm. And basically he was like, you know, we'll have you come in on Dave's day off and you can kind of just run things, maintain. Um, But then as these wine dinners and these projects and everything started, it was just like, all right, it's very easy to get 40 hours in the kitchen i don't i don't need to serve you know i don't i didn't particularly want to i like i wanted to see the front of the restaurant Mm -hmm. um but the few shifts that i was out there just you know as a food runner and hosting it was like this isn't for me Mm -hmm. you know i like to be slinging pots and pans and getting it yeah (laughs) did
0: it kind of help to to get a little front of house experience though because in, in so many restaurants, and I, I don't know if this is the case at Dante, but at so many restaurants, the front of the house and the back of the house are kind of two separate animals almost. Did it help to kind of see the other side?
1: Um, It, it did, and I'm thankful for, you know, not to backtrack, but thankful for my time at Monarch from that because yes. once I started leading um, pre-shift and, like, you know, working with our food and beverage directors on, like, if we're going to do a 20 course tasting menu, what does that look like? Do we need to order glassware? Do you know what courses get silverware? What makes sense here and there? You know, how do you want this served? I really started, I started to have to study like what table service looked like, what wine service looked like. Um, and my wife also served. So she was giving me like pointers on like, Hey, they should do this and not this. Hey, this makes sense. This doesn't. Um, and it it was just a huge help.
0: Mm-hmm. He just needed to be back in the kitchen. I needed to be back in the kitchen. Yeah.
1: You know, in in front of house and back of house, there's always, like, more times than not, they are two separate entities in the same restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm just a back of house guy. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and it totally makes sense. You're clearly very good at it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, So... You know, you mentioned you got the chance to run the the brunch at Monarch. And Mm -hmm. so you were kind of comfortable in that setting. But you also talked about how, and this is definitely something that just in having conversations with chefs on this podcast, like most chefs do not like brunch. No, They might offer it because it's profitable, (laughs) but they don't want anything to do with it. Can you kind of tell me, explain why that is? What makes brunch such a different animal than just normal dinner service or even
1: lunch service for that matter? So I think the big part of it is, you know, when, like, what are the toughest services for restaurants, Friday and Saturday night? Mm -hmm. So Friday and Saturday are always your longest days. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in two hours earlier than normal prepping, you're there, you know, an hour later breaking down and you do all this work Friday and you get wiped out and you do it all again Saturday and you get wiped out. And then you have to come in at eight AM on Sunday. Yeah, it's just like it's brutal. It for a lot of people, it is. Uh huh. Um. But I love brunch, and being able to offer it is just like the restaurants that do brunch are my favorite restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, I I used to eat brunch in Dundee every Sunday, and you know, I missed it.
0: So what is it about brunch that makes you kind of different from other chefs and embrace that challenge versus kind of push back against it almost?
1: Um, I think the biggest help was, you know, I didn't have much brunch experience until working at Monarch. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a team that would help me, you know, kind of lighten the Saturday, the Friday and Saturday workload. So like, We were busy and I was there late, but I could come in Sunday morning and do brunch and it wasn't just like, it just wasn't awful. Mm -hmm. There were some days that I was, you know, pretty tired, (laughs) but you know, you, you can come in and it's, everybody's in a good mood at brunch and it's just fun. Mm -hmm. And well, and for me, my favorite food of all time is probably eggs. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you know, I want to be I want to be the best, you know, at egg cookery. I want to be better than anyone in town. Me and my my good friend uh, Roberto, we would always have omelet cook-offs. Uh-huh. And it was like, "All right, well, whose omelet's better?" And then, you know, if he's working, he'd send me a picture of his omelet. If I'm working, I s- we still send each other omelet pictures. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, I, It's it's my favorite food to eat. So it's like, it only made sense that it was like one of my favorite foods to cook Mm -hmm. and guests love it. It's, it's a whole fun service. Yeah. Brunch is always fun. That's the best part of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that Nick mentioned when he came on about a month ago was, One of the things that he thought was difficult about brunch service and makes a lot of chefs kind of resist it is people are very finicky about brunch. And it's funny that you mentioned eggs because eggs in particular are something, everyone likes their eggs a very certain way. Some of them like a little, you know, they like it a little over hard. Some of them like it fried a little more. So it's like crispy on the edges and stuff. And obviously, it's extremely difficult for a restaurant to tailor everyone's very, very personal Ideas about their breakfast or their brunch yep. Yep. onto the plate. What, like, what makes you embrace that challenge?
1: Um. Well, I I actually tend to play it a little safer. Um, Nick and I actually like our eggs very differently. Mm-hmm. He likes uh, he kind of likes a crispy edge, like he was talking about mm-hmm. in his. You know, he likes the crispy edge. For me, it's like. No, (laughs) like I like, you know, soft textures in food and delicacy almost go hand in hand. Yeah. And so my, my challenge to myself is like, how do I make the white as soft as possible while being cooked through without the egg yolk being overcooked? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's tough because like everybody's over easy is different. You know, some people flip them, some people don't. Some people baste it to get to over easy. And what I found is, like, if you almost shoot for, like, over medium, they're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as the whites are cooked through, usually people are more forgiving if the yolk is a little runnier than normal. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what I always shoot for is, like, I mean, the white has to be done. Mm -hmm. if the white's not done i'll send the eggs back and i don't like to send back food (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah we just we shoot for that safe ground i guess
0: so part of it is just kind of a trial and error process and maybe it is just from from working more and more brunch services you kind of learn you know maybe you can't hit everyone's perfect egg because everyone's perfect egg is different exactly but you can find that that perfect through line where you're gonna make everyone happy Absolutely. Okay.
1: You know, and, and I think burgers are about the same way in a lot of respects.
0: That, that's so true.
1: Yeah. A lot of chefs steaks like steaks too. Steaks too. You know, everybody's mid rare is a little different. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you just have to like. It sounds arrogant, but you you almost have to be like, I know what this egg needs to be to be good. <laughs> yeah. And it needs to be the whites done and the yolks, you know. Runny enough and not over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. If it's good, they're not going to send it back. That's just kind of what it, mm-hmm. you know, how I take it.
0: That's the important thing. All right. Now we need to get into the designing of the brunch menu because, and feel free to, if I have any of the details wrong, correct me. But the way that Nick described it to me, this is just wild to me. Like <laughs> from what he said, he, he hired you on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You guys designed the menu the same day. You opened yeah. brunch the following Saturday. Yeah. So seven days after you yeah. were hired, okay, just like this is a lame question, but I'm just gonna one word how. Um.
1: Well, luckily for me, i I had most of a. I had a good previous brunch menu to pull from. Yeah. Um, I and I had some things that like. I don't know. I had some things I could do different. I I made my mistakes at Monarch and I learned from them. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you know, what did I like? What did I not like? What did I think would work in in West Omaha? And what, you know, and what did Nick want? That was the big one. Mm -hmm. You know, he he comes on and he says, you know, we're going to do these Bellinis. He's like, you know, I've I've had this at this bar in Italy where it was invented. Um, He's like, you know, peaches aren't in season, but this is what it, this is what their brunch cocktail is. And they always drink it year round there. And he's like, we're going to have it. He's like, I'm not going to budge on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and It's like, "Yeah, chef. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was like him and I sat down with a notepad. Um, I pitched to him the things that I had had successes with. I had pitched to him the things that I thought would work really well. And he said, you know, I like this. I don't know about this one. This might be kind of weird. He's like, you know, this sounds good, but we'll have to make it and see if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I was off Monday. Uh, I came back Tuesday. We costed everything out. You know, we we had samples of bacon brought in, samples of sausage brought in, you know, trying to figure out what made sense to make, what made sense to buy, because, you know, also like, When you're only open two days a week for something, you can't have a lot of leftovers. Mm -hmm. You know, so accuracy in prepping and ordering has to be, I mean, almost perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially right now where, you know, with restaurants, you don't have room for waste.
0: And especially because a lot of the ingredients used in brunch dishes might not be incorporated into you know what you're offering for lunch and dinner. Like bre- breakfast stuff is usually pretty separate from those other menus. Yep. So you got to be especially careful.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to repurpose like sausage links. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we did that. We we costed everything first um, to decide like what made sense, and then we basically just like taste it. We did three dishes a day, and then Saturday we printed out the menu, and we both looked at it, and we were just like, "It's too big mm-hmm. like we need to we need to cut like the two week links mm-hmm. <laughs> and we did that we opened um you know Nick and I worked the first couple services, and then he was like, "I'm gonna let you take it. This is going smooth. you seem to know what you're doing." He's like, "I don't feel like I have to be here to babysit this." mm-hmm." And that was, you know, and every week we get a little busier and it's great.
0: How fun was that as a chef to just kind of have that blank canvas where you are just in like pure experimentation mode and, you know, you're just, you're brainstorming ideas and then you're, you know, playing with the recipe and saying, okay, this, this needs to be tweaked. This needs more salt. This could, you know, a little less cook time. Like, even on a menu like Dante's, it's being updated constantly yeah. based off hyper uh hyper seasonal ingredients, stuff like that. But this was a chance to like completely overhaul and create a new menu. Like how exciting is that for you, like from the creative aspect?
1: Um, to be honest, it was like it's intimidating. Yeah. Um Nick is, you know, one of the veteran, you know, powerhouse Omaha chefs. Mm-hmm. So to kind of, like, be a young guy, like, hey, chef, I made this for you. Taste this. It's, I mean, it's intimidating. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, when you watch someone take a bite of this, like, black truffle omelet, I don't know, he he made a face where I was just like, yes, I knew I got him with this one. Uh-huh. I knew I got him with this one. And he's had it every Saturday and Sunday since we've opened. Really? Yeah, it's the best thing.
0: Oh, my gosh, I love yeah.
1: that. No, it's, it's, it's the best feeling. Um, but yeah, like the, the blank canvas is like, it's, it's the most fun part of cooking. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, to start with nothing. Well, and at Monarch too, like I was executive chef, but you know, there were a lot of things that I, I could have done better had I had someone above me kind of coaching me. And now like to get to work for someone like Nick, who, you know, Dante's been open eleven years. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of young chefs would love to have a restaurant with you know eleven successful years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us are kind of chasing that model. Mm-hmm. So to be to be right there, learning from him is huge.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Dante, like I, what I love about the brunch menu is it has a lot of familiar items, but they're just. There are a couple things in every dish that are just a little bit elevated that take it, you sure. know, beyond what you would obviously find, at like a greasy spoon or whatever. It's yeah. it's it's the Dante version of steak and eggs, So the Dante version of, like you mentioned, the ricotta omelet is a step up. You know, you can talk about instead of having like corned beef and hash, you can have a braised chicken hash instead of yeah. steak and eggs. It's a wagyu steak and eggs. Yeah. Like w- on the first Saturday when you're introducing it and you see people trying it for the first time, where you. Is it just pure excitement? Is there nerves? Like, oh man, you know, are people gonna accept this? Are they gonna get it? Like, what was that feeling like on that first Saturday?
1: Honestly, it was, you know, little bits of all of it. Uh huh. Like, when when we opened, we were doing the the bison ribeye, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, it was a it was a costly brunch item, mm-hmm. both for us and for the guest. But when you eat it, it's the best thing you'll ever have. And, you know, that was when we kind of like. were like, you know, is this too much? Is this the right fit for out here? Is this the right fit for brunch? And he was like, you know what? We're going to take a chance and do it. And it paid off great. And it's, you know, one of, it's one of my favorite brunch items to cook is the steak and eggs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, like, with COVID and butcher shops and everything being backed up, like, we've tw- we've tweaked some things. And we've tried some other steaks just to see what all, you know, is going to be the best. But that's my other favorite part about Dante is everything's always changing. Mm-hmm. So everything always has the opportunity to get better. You know, the we we start with good things and, you know, because the, the braised chicken hash was originally a duck confit hash. Mm-hmm. And we were doing the duck egg with it, and it was just like, it's too ducky. It's too ducky, too early. Duck eggs are kind of a lot for some people. Mm-hmm. And we were like, let's, you know, let's bring this one down a little bit. Let's see.
0: Pull it back, yeah.
1: And, yeah, people have been very receptive to it. We were doing a a croque madame with mortadella on it. Because mm-hmm. it was like, you know, traditionally it's ham. And I was like, you know. Buying ham is not very Dante. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, it's it's, it's just not. Uh huh. And we have this nice mortadella, and I was like, let's do mortadella. People are going to love this. Mm-hmm. And, was, you know, been very well received. A lot of my friends really came in and enjoyed it. <laughs> and, you know, he likes it. It looks good. We have fun cooking it.
0: So how much, how much of the – like how, how do tweaks like that happen, I guess? Like do you – Do you go through a weekend service and say, well, you know, X, X, and X items aren't selling that well? How can we amp those up? Is it just like during the week, you're just thinking about things and you're like, you know, I, you know, that, that duck confit, uh, hash, that's too ducky. Let's, um, shift chicken in there instead of the duck. Like, how is that refining process kind of come through?
1: Uh, honestly, it's us just eating it. Okay. Just tasting it. Uh You know, we're. Since I'm cooking brunch, like, you know, I'll taste every hash that goes out. And I'm like, you know, it's just not, you have an idea and it always sounds good on paper. And then as you're eating it, you're like, okay, this doesn't work how I pictured it would in my brain. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, to make, to make this what it needs to be, we would have to charge, you know, duck and duck egg prices. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, we didn't want to be expensive. You know, we want people to come in and in be able to enjoy brunch and not break the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was like, if we want to shave some, you know, if we want to bring this down price-wise, then we need to, you know, make changes that make sense, too. hmm And the, the chicken hash just kind of came about that way. Mm-hmm. And we tasted it, and we were like, honestly, I think it's better. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was kind of that one. Um, no, tasting, it's the big one. And then, like, like I said, every day we sit down at about 12.30, 1 o'clock, and we meet and talk about all of the menus. And, you know, Tuesday he'll propose an idea. He'll say, you know, I want to do French toast this weekend. So I'm like, all right, Thursday – I'll show up with a french toast batter recipe we'll make it we'll try it we'll decide what we don't like about it friday we'll try it again mm-hmm. and then saturday it will have its place on the menu <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so when you say thursday you show up with a french toast batter recipe yeah. obviously you've done french toast in the past so yeah. you have some kind of background on on what flavors what techniques work but when are you like refining that and taking your recipe and, you know, combining it with the ethos of what Dante is. Like, are you experimenting? Do you just come in with an idea on Thursday and then you cook it and you kind of see what works? Or or how does that happen?
1: Um, A little bit of both. You know, Nick also um, did brunch at Forno. Right. And two of his chefs from Forno are at Dante. So it's like we we all get to come to the table together with ideas and it's like you know I might have an idea that I think is going to work really well and they might say like yes but you could run into this and this Mm -hmm. you know the the big one we we were in a waffle this weekend Mm -hmm. and it was like all right does anyone have a waffle batter recipe one guy says yes I do it's a very good one (laughs) we make the waffle batter it's great um and then it was like Oh, where are we going to plug a waffle iron in at? <laughs> yeah. Like what station does that come on? I can't have it sitting like on the stove. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh so just little things like that just having having large open discussions puts out fires so much quicker. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's been the biggest success of it.
0: Okay. Now there are two menu items in particular that I have to pick your brain about and one you've already brought up and mentioned and that's the ricotta omelet (laughs) and I remember when Nick came on he talked about it and you told him about this and and he said he's not he doesn't dislike ricotta but he's not a huge fan so he was not expecting to like this item in particular and you talked about it now he's in love with it (laughs) what is it about this omelet that is so special like what what amps it up to that next level
1: so, fun story on the ricotta omelet. Um, my wife and I were in Chicago about three years ago, and we had breakfast at a two-Michelin star restaurant because they had a black truffle omelet on their menu. We were just Googling, like, nice breakfast places in Chicago. We saw this. I was like, I have to have this. Mm-hmm. I don't care if we have to stay an extra day. I have to eat this omelet. And I ate it, and it was gross. It was <laughs> so bad. And I was like, are you are you kidding me? Like, it was, like, the brown edges, like, country-folded omelet. Um, it, like, wasn't hot in the center. Oh, it was no. just overcooked, and it was, like... And I think they just put truffle oil on top. Mm. And I was I was so let down. And I, I came back to Omaha, and I was like... I was like, I can make a better one. Mm-hmm. And so for about two years, I just toyed around with, like, what I thought would make this better. And it was, like... We tried like, you know, a firmer melting cheese and it was too stringy and like, it's two different textures and, and originally I was like, we'll do it with mascarpone. Mm-hmm. Makes the most sense. It's basically cream cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to like the troubleshooting and zero waste, you know, I'm not going to make mascarpone for six omelets right. every week or, mm-hmm. you know, 12 omelets every week. Mm-hmm. And he had the ricotta and I was like, let's try it. And we tried it, and it was, like, it was so good. Back to that, like, just all soft textures. It just, everything is just velvety and about the same texture. The, the inside of the omelette's, like, custardy and creamy, and the ricotta just, like, perfectly melts into it. Uh-huh. And it just worked. I was like, it's kind of better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: got to be a good feeling.
1: Yeah, just to kind of, like, I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, I, in my mind, I was like, it has to be mascarpone. Mascarpone's the only cheese it can be, and we did ricotta, and it honestly is probably better.
0: Mm-hmm. And the other menu item that I have to ask you about <laughs> is the donut holes, because it's <laughs> like donut holes. They're such a simple idea <laughs> on the surface, but the idea of pairing them with the budino, which is for people who haven't had it, it's kind of like a custard pudding type of substance. The Dante traditionally serves for dessert, and you yeah. can find that on the dessert menu at, at dinner. How did you come up with the idea that we're going to take donut holes, put them with this budino, and it's going to just be like an absolutely delicious hit?
1: I, you know, I haven't run a sales mix yet, but I think the budino might be one of the top-selling items at Dante.
0: Right? It's so good.
1: And every time I work that station... I eat a ton of budino, <laughs> you know, when I used to work in Dundee, um, all of us would get shift drinks at the end of the night uh-huh. and I don't drink. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna eat a budino, uh-huh. you know, you guys can have peronies. I'm gonna eat budino. <laughs> so I love budino and it kind of just like formed from two things that were like already happening at Dante. Um, they were doing this fried dough that they tossed in cinnamon sugar and that was, a like a to-go dessert they were offering over the summer. Mm -hmm. And it just clicked, like, put the two together. Dip the donuts in the budino and eat it. It's going to be a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I did it, and it was like, this has to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, people are going to see budino, and they're going to order it no matter what. Mm -hmm. And donuts, like, who doesn't love donuts?
0: (laughs) You probably have something wrong (laughs) with you. You don't like
1: donuts. (laughs) Well, and it was fun. We didn't have to bring in anything for it, and it it's, it's easily our, our top seller every Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it's, it's something that like is maybe more simple than it should be. It's just donuts and budino, mm-hmm. but it works so good.
0: And it kind of like, I think another really appealing thing about it is it kind of, in my mind, at least it kind of breaks one of the rules of brunch and that brunch, you typically don't get an appetizer. No, There's not a lot of sharing at nope. brunch. Normally, everybody orders their own thing, and you can go with it. And someone could just order the donut holes and Medina if they wanted to, but it's perfect to order one of those, and you share it with your family, yep. or you share it with your group of friends, and everybody gets one or two donut holes, scoops it in there, yep. and it just works perfectly. Did, did that thought go into putting it on the menu at all? Just that, hey, this is an opportunity to do something that people don't normally do at brunch.
1: What was weird was like, we didn't know if it would work like that. I I originally pictured it as a a standalone like sweet brunch entree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did a variation of a donut at at Monarch, and it it sold fine. It was a uh, it was something honestly like we just put it on there for if families were staying, they could get something for their children. That you know, it's it was basically donuts and like we were doing creme anglaise you know, in the place of, like, a Bavarian cream. But the Budino is just so much better. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, you know, do you think it would sell as an appetizer? And he said, let's try it. So we moved it to the top of the menu. And we, you know, we kind of coached the service staff, like, you know, maybe maybe try to start tables with this. Mm-hmm. Just a quick bite. And that's, that's the best thing about it. It's quick. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in, if you, you know, if your children are dining with you, you can get food in front of them right away. Mm -hmm. And that's, for me, it's such an important detail to have something that you can get in front of children right away. And it just kind of worked that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: One of the things, or I guess an element that we keep coming back to in this discussion is just like the concept of trial and error. So many times Mm -hmm. I've heard you say, we just tried it and it worked. So we went with it or we tried it and, you know, we decided that there needed to be a little bit of adjustment. So, we, we adjusted it, and then we went with yeah. it. How much just does the concept of trial and error play into the restaurant industry and being successful in a restaurant?
1: You know, it was probably one of the biggest things I learned leaving Monarch and starting at Dante was, like, the just trying things. We would, we would, do, a di- we would do a new dish at Monarch, and we would taste it, like, when the first one got rang in. Mhm. And then we would, you know, make adjustments on the next one and and so on, but like it was just, it was sloppy. It wasn't the right way to do things. But I was also young and working with expensive ingredients. I was like I didn't think that we could afford to you know, take two portions and taste it. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, like I should have just done it. <laughs> yeah. I should have I should, it's we knew it was the right answer to taste it ahead of time, but we just talked ourselves out of it because we thought it was too expensive to do. We thought it was wasteful for us to eat something, and it was just so wrong. I, I'm so thankful that we do it at Dante because it just it makes everything better.
0: So what was – did you kind of have like a revelation when you first started at Dante that, that they were tasting the completed dish before they were sending it out the first time?
1: 100% I saw it. And, well, and, you know, deep down I always knew, like, we should have been doing it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I said, I, I didn't have anyone coaching me. And to see someone like Nick just, like, yeah, we have to know if it tastes good. It's like, duh. This, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so obvious, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was almost, like, mad at myself that, like, that it was just that easy. Like, yeah, just taste it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the biggest one was like the truffle dinner. We started prepping the truffle dinner maybe 10 days before it even happened. Mm-hmm. And Nick and his wife came in and they ate the dinner. They ate through the menu um, like a week before. And came back with, you know, a set of adjustments. And we made the adjustments and we put out better food. <laughs> And it was nice i'm glad I'm glad that we got to try that ahead of time, you know that way for the nights of the truffle dinner we got to give our guests better food mm-hmm. you know that's that's really what it just kind of came down to well
0: yeah i mean for me personally as a diner, I thought it was kind of fun because my wife and i we went to one of the truffle dinners and I, I follow you on Instagram, Absolutely. and so you were, you were posting some updates about the R&D process. You were, you were taking pictures of some of the final products, or not, not the final products, but the things that you were working with, and there were certain things that showed up on our plate exactly as is yeah. the night of the dinner, and then there were certain things where I wasn't fully expecting it, and it was like, oh, this looks a little bit different than yeah. what you know Drew showed us before, and I think that's just cool to kind of see that, that evolution, that you're not just putting a dish together the first time being like, okay, this this works, let's get it out there, let's yep. get it in the wild. But you're saying, okay, it works, but can it be better? What can we do to make this better? Yep. And, like, h- how many voices are going into that? Like, how many people are tasting it as you kind of go through that experimentation process?
1: Every single person in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. When we put up a dish, whoever's working, you know, we put 10 forks on the bass. everyone comes and gets a fork and tastes it. Because... You know, 10 people have 10 different palates, and none of them are wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, if if somebody tastes something and says, like, like, oh, this mushroom is maybe too chewy, maybe it needs to be cut smaller, or, you know, the salt is good, but the mouthfeel is gummy, you know, how can we smooth that out? Everybody adds a contribution, and in the end, you have the best possible plate. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's been the biggest, the biggest success is like, it's not just one person in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's all of us tasting it, all of us, you know, making our contributions to it.
0: So hearing you say that kind of reminds me of what you were talking about with the eggs earlier in Mm -hmm. that you have 10 different, very individual palates who are Mm -hmm. trying this. And some of them might say, this is. A little too salty for me. Somebody yep. else might say, "Hey, pass the salt shaker." This yep. this could use a little more salt, or this could be too spicy. This is, this needs more heat. So you just kind of take all those opinions and you try and get as close to the middle as you can, right? To some extent,
1: uh, to some extent, there are, um, you know, that I am probably the probably one of the pickiest eaters there is. Really? Oh, there are so many foods that I do not like. Uh Uh-huh. And it can be limiting, you know, when you're trying to make a dish. For example, I hate olives.
0: Oh, okay. I hate
1: black olives. I hate green olives. I hate the expensive fancy ones. I don't care if they're cooked or, you know, whatever. I hate all of them. Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes the dish needs olives. Yeah. And sometimes it takes someone else telling me that and it ends up being a better dish. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, I think that's the strength of having everybody taste it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not just me. It's not just Nick. It's not just the other guys in the kitchen. It is everybody.
0: (laughs) I I love that approach. I think that's what's made, it's something that's made Dante so successful in the past. I think Mm -hmm. clearly now that you've adopted that mindset and you embrace it fully, it's going to continue to make Dante successful in the future. Drew, I just, I'm... I've seen what you've done with the brunch menu. <laughs> I've experienced with some of what you've done with the, the truffle dinner. And I can't wait to see how you and Nick continue to evolve Dante going forward. Cause it's already a fantastic restaurant. It's one of my favorites. And just the fact that you guys are not resting on your laurels, but you're constantly looking for opportunities to improve 100%. for new, uh, new opportunities to deliver. I, I think that's amazing. I'm, very, very happy for you. Congrats on the promotion, and I can't wait to see what you do moving forward. Oh, thank you. And thank you very much for joining <laughs> us today. Like, this was a true pleasure.
1: No, no, thank you for having me. Could I say one last little thing? Go, by all means. Um, open mic. Go for <laughs> I it. i say say, um, you know, for everyone that did come to Monarch while we were doing it, I just wanted to thank everybody because we were a bunch of young kids, and we had no idea what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We were just trying to put out crazy food, and, you know, we had a lot of people support us, and we're thankful for everyone of <laughs> them. And we're thankful to seeing you know, some of them at Dante now and and you know, all that. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Omaha, thank you for supporting Monarch uh, during its run. Thank you for supporting Dante and continue supporting it. Thanks for eating with us.